Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to episode one. This is Sam. And I'm Drew. And we're here to talk training. On this first episode, we're going to tell you a little bit about ourselves, where we're from, what we've done, and how we can help you get better results for your store, your team, and your company. Drew, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see, Sam. 25 years with the brand. I have done everything from CSR through supervisor on the franchise side. Went to the mothership for 13 years and ran every side of training you could think of. If you've ever been in a pizza theater store, you're welcome or throw eggs at me, your choice. I was part of that. I've been on the Team USA side doing supervisor training. And now currently, I am my own consultant helping any franchisee that needs it with things like ADT or supervisor training. That's me in a nutshell. Sounds like you bring a lot to the table. That's awesome. I try, Sam, but probably not as much as you. Why don't we hear from you for a little bit? I started before most of our listeners were born back in 1984. I was a delivery driver at store 1101, the very first Domino's Pizza store. Made my way through pretty much every operational bit there was that you could do. Was actually a franchisee from 93 to 99. Had one little store in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. I think my record week was probably less than some of our listeners are doing on a Friday evening now. So that tells you why I'm no longer a franchisee. Also made my way to the mothership. I was a multi-unit supervisor for a bit. I was an operations evaluator for six years. So uh, as Drew said, you can either like me or throw eggs at me. Did some training there, ran the pizza theater in the World Resource Center in the critically acclaimed pizza prep school program. Had an opportunity to work for some franchisees as director of, of ops. And I have been on my own now for about four years running Fowler Consulting and helping Domino's people reach whatever goals they're trying to reach. Nice. Thanks for that, Sam. So Drew, uh, first podcast, pretty excited. Yeah. Uh, how about you? I am absolutely excited. Fantastic. Good to be working with you again. It's been a while. It, it has been a minute. In today's podcast, we're going to go over a few things. The first thing is we're going to talk to Drew about an e-learning module that he's putting together. It's going to be all about staffing. And then in uh, another segment, we're going to talk about a book that Drew and I both read over the last week. Anybody that's done any kind of research into how to develop themselves better, everybody always says you got to read, read, read. So we're going to do a little book review on each one of our episodes. The book that we did last week is going to be pretty exciting, but I'm not going to tell you what it is just yet. You'll have to stay tuned to that segment. And then one thing I'm really excited about is we'll each share one of our favorite classroom activities. Drew and I are traveling around the country. We get the opportunity to talk with some of the biggest and brightest and best franchisees out there. And in turn, they've got some of the best general managers and assistant managers. And we're going to share some of the activities we do to keep those folks energized during the course of our workshops. Drew, anything to add to this week's podcast? We can't forget about our special guest that comes in later. So that last segment with the fabulous special guest. 
whose name I'm not going to mention. Pretty excited about that. It's been a it's been a long time since uh, I had any time in the doghouse with this guy, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's get into uh, our first segment on on the old podcast here on uh, episode number one. You've been uh, traveling around the country working on some online stuff to help folks with staff. Tell me what you're working on and and how it's going to help the the folks out there to sell more pizza and have more fun. I'm sure you've heard it too. I'm sure our listeners have heard it or seen it. Everybody says they got a staffing problem. Four sales are up with this whole COVID thing. Everybody said they had a staffing problem. Sales are up. Everybody says they've got a staffing problem. I see it less and less as a staffing problem and more as other issues. So I'm building out a starts with a curriculum to help with getting to those staffing issues where I think everything should start with the end in mind. So we're looking for what your staffing goals are, how to build a goal, how to actually measure those staffing goals. And then we get into stuff around ACEs and their places and utilizing your team correctly so that we can build the best possible staff and team for you because it's less and less about actually interviewing people Most of us have plenty of applicants coming in and it's more and more about how we keep them and how we train them and how when they're on the clock or with us that we get the most efficient use of their time as possible. So I'm building out those modules. Generally speaking, I like to approach it where you watch a module, it's maybe five or six minutes and then you go do something. So the modules are numerous but quick hitting so that you can go and then get back to your store and do your work. That's the idea. Uh, I'm trying to separate it. So everybody's got a different problem. So I'm trying to separate the modules to try and address just the issue that a person may have. And if they have multiple issues, they can uh, go through multiple modules. So as you're traveling around the country and talking to franchisees and operators, my guess is you're seeing the same kinds of things I'm seeing. And when people say they have a staffing problem and they can't hire you know, I, I pulled up some numbers for one of my clients. And at the time, I think they had 170 team members on their payroll. And this was sometime in June or July. And at that point in the first six months of the year, they had hired 210 people. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was able to get up in front of the managers and I said, do you really have a hiring problem? Because it looks to me like you're hiring a ton of people. The problem is we can't keep them. And I think that the curriculum that you're putting together and the message that I try to send out to my clients as well is it's all about retention. That's just it. And most of the time we're not measuring it, which is crazy. We have no idea how many people were on our schedule a month ago and how many of those same people are on our schedule today. And that's always a good starting spot for me. I don't need some giant power report or somebody from, an HR or accounting to tell me I can pull up my schedule and do a quick count and start to measure my own retention. Along those lines, I was, I was in a store with a client and the store had been horribly understaffed, switched managers probably two weeks before I got there. And the manager is on this massive hiring street. And the day I was in the store, a new team member showed up and I talked for a couple minutes and I'm like, let me get somebody for you to help you. It's your first day. Like, like he hadn't even clocked in yet first day. And we found out he was a driver who had failed his MBR. So they brought him on as a CSR, told him about that, had him still clock in and we're so ready for him 
that his first hour and a half, he stood in the back folding boxes. Wow, that had to be exciting for him. I mean, when I think Domino's, the two things I think about and the two things that Domino's is globally known for are administrative work and folding boxes. No, that's not right. I just so want every new team member's first day to be who Domino's is, right? That high energy, fast pace with a purpose. I think some of the stuff you and I are building can get them there. Yeah, I think so too. You hear it all the time that those first three days are so critical to retention. I'm seeing the same things you're seeing. I mean, people are just not taking great care of these people from the get-go, and then they're wondering why they have a revolving door. So Sam, if you were back in that franchise role or director of operations role today, what would be something that you would want to see a first day, second day team member do or or be a part of? I think to me, the key to the retention starts before the first day, and that's making sure you're given a good structured interview and that you're actually making a selection. You're not simply doing some sort of qualifying questions to see if they meet the requirements. So you're saying putting a mirror in front of their face and if they fog it, they're, they're hired isn't an interview question? Well, it, it, I, I think it is an interview question and I think it's getting used a lot. Uh, effective? No, not so much. But more That's to your fair. question on that, on that first day, you know, I had a client some time ago say that the key was making sure that there was structure to that first day, that there was planning, that somebody was assigned to that new team member to make them feel welcome, to make them feel special, to make them know that somebody is there to answer their questions. So I think some of us are doing a great job of scheduling the new team member and scheduling the training. Then the opportunity for improvement is to actually schedule the trainer. And a step beyond that is to schedule someone for production. I think that if you're a GM or an AM and you think you're gonna handle production in today's Domino's Pizza, and give someone one-on-one training, you're kidding yourself. And they're going to end up doing exactly what you said, folding boxes or just stuck in front of a computer. So I think you've got to make the investment in your time to make sure that they want to stay with you. But Sam, but Sam, that costs so much money Two people training. Oh my gosh, the waste, the horror. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I get it. I need a sarcasm sign right there. Sorry. Yeah, right. It's it's coming through loud and clear, my friend. And I get that. Question is, do you want to waste money today or do you want to waste money all year? Second thing is, is you got to get your mind around that investing in your team members development is not wasting money. It's investing in your future. Your efficiencies are going to go way through the roof as those people do get trained. I mean, you look at Mason Burnham and, and B4 Pizza in Austin and how much time they spend training and they don't even let people on the make line until they're trained because they understand the efficiencies and the need for quality. Those things are so important and the training has got to happen and you've got to make those team members feel special if you want them to stay because rumor has it today's employees have got some choices out there so i think these things that you're putting together on the staffing are really going to help folks understand the importance of the retention and give them some tips and tricks that that some of us older dogs learned back in the day when we didn't have to make as many pizzas as, as the folks do today. But I think it's going to be really, really important that they, they get through your modules 
and they see what's what's out there. Now, I feel like giving them something on the podcast instead of waiting for the modules to get published. If you're a general manager or an assistant manager and you're listening to this and you have a new hire starting, take five minutes and write their name on the chalk wall. Welcome to your first day, Sam. Welcome to your first day, Drew. Once you write the name on the chalk wall, tell the whole team it's somebody's first day. The, the change in atmosphere will be noticeable and you want that impression on that first day and that first minute. Sounds to me, Drew, like you're trying to be a uh, chief energy officer. I may be. There's something about having positive energy and I don't know, getting on that right bus, Sam. Nice. I like it. And later on in the episode, we'll talk about a book called The Energy Bus that uh, talks about some of that stuff. So I love that idea about the chalk wall. How much does that cost? Well, let's see. Street chalk from Walmart is like $3.99 for a box of 12. So probably a millimeter, well, millimeter is not a measurement of cost, is it? A millionth of a penny? I'm guessing. A millionth of a penny to make somebody feel special and possibly increase the retention. Hang on one second. I'm going to do some numbers on my calculator. Yeah, that adds up. There, there's a return on that investment. I'm thinking there would be, yeah. Nice. All right, what else do you have to share with us about your e-learning module and staffing? Let me tell you what it's not about. I am not going to tell you how to put a schedule into an app or use labor scheduler or whatever the new coolest thing is. I'm going to help you find ways to get the most out of your team and get the right team in the right place at the right time. You work on the tool. There's plenty of help out there for whatever the tool is that you're putting it into. I'll help you get the right people in the right place at the right time. Wow, that sounds... That sounds like a great investment of somebody's time and money to make sure that they're making their lives a little bit easier. That's the whole idea. I don't remember any team that's ever won it with just one person, whether it's a sport or five-star or, you know, two-time manager of the year type people. Yeah, it takes a village if you want to be successful. I mean, even when you look at individual per se sports like tennis or golf, They've all got coaches. They've all got teams. They've all got people that are supporting them. You know, a good golfer's got a great caddy. A great tennis player has got a hitting coach and and a team behind them. No one can be successful on their own. I think that's so important for people to understand. And in today's volume that the stores are doing, it's even more so about finding the right team. All right. So the book we're about to review today is The Energy Bus by John Gordon. And stay tuned at the end of the podcast. We'll tell you how you can win a free version of this book. Sam, we decided that we needed to read as well. If we're going to help our listeners develop and we can share some books with them. This week's choice was yours, The Energy Bus by John Gordon. First, I want to start with why you pick this before we get into the books. Probably much like yourself, anytime I'm out in the world talking to franchisees and and managers, the folks that are really trying to better themselves always ask me, what are you reading? What are you reading? What are you reading? You know, I usually tell them the the standards from, from back in our day. And I was with a discussion with a franchisee in Illinois, Nick Birch. And Nick said, hey, I just got done reading The Energy Bus. I think you'd really like it. Lo and behold, he was right. Now, for me, the book's got to have, it's got to have a story to it. It's got to be an easier read because I find when I read something that connects with me, I immediately make that connection to something that's going on either in my personal life or in my client's business that I'm working with. And I'll find that 
I've gone two or three pages and I don't remember what I read because I'm thinking about how what I did read connected to something and then I move on. So the thing I really liked about the energy bus one was it was very engaging. I liked the message all through the book and it's, you know, it's a short little book. I think it's 170 pages or something like that. And it's got maybe 36 chapters. Let me just look at my notes here. 27 chapters, 28 chapters, somewhere in there. And they're like two pages long. So it was easy for me to keep my attention on what I was reading. And then I would take some notes. And that way, I think I started training myself to read the book and then think about how it connects. So that was really good. And I thought the message throughout the book was rock solid for Domino's Pizza guys and and managers, especially people that are beginning their journey and maybe have no idea what bus they should be on. Like you, I admit I have a hard time reading books. I do the exact same thing. I get into a couple pages and then I'm off wandering. I can't do audio books for the same reason. This book, the fable piece of it to lay out what the rules are, because there are 10 rules in the book. I, I love the writers that do fables like this. Uh, Patrick Lincoln, who does Death by Meeting and Five Dysfunctions of a Team, does the same fable. I have a wireframe for a book I want to write about how to be an effective supervisor, and I'm doing it via fable as well, because it just so makes sense to me to take these life lessons and lay them out like that. And I'm sure you've read books where it's not a fable. It's just, this is what I do. This is who I did it with. How, how differently do do those books uh, connect with you as opposed to something like this fable? I think when you talk about books like that, and I'm talking about highly acclaimed books, books that people that I look up to as successful leaders and people that, for lack of a better term, have really got their stuff together, say, oh, you got to read this book. And I find myself getting 10, 12 pages into it and and trying my darndest to stay engaged with it. And it just doesn't work for me. Now, that doesn't mean that it's a poorly written book or that it wouldn't connect with someone else. For me, I am with you 100%. This fable and a story... It, it helped keep me engaged and it helped, it helped me wanting, it helped me want to read the next chapter. And this is probably, I mean, I'll just be completely transparent. This is probably the 15th book in my entire life that I've read beginning to end. And, awesome. you know, one of the reasons we decided to have this segment, because we both believe that reading is important to, to develop yourself. And I think even though, you know, I'll be 56 years old in January, development never stops. And right in the acknowledgments of this book, it says we are all teachers and students. And I think just because guys like you and I are out and getting paid to, to teach people things, I think the moment that we think we're no longer a student, we're done. Couldn't agree more. I do want to talk about the 10 rules. So, and it's, it's actually like the subtitle of the book, 10 rules to fuel your life, work and team with positive energy. So Sam, of the 10 rules, which one is it that you found um, turn the most light bulbs on for you? I think for me, I, I liked all 10. I think one of the hardest things to get your, to wrap your head around, especially if you're a young leader, especially if you're just starting your journey or it's early on, I think rule number three, fuel your ride with positive energy is so important. And I remember distinctly 
being an operations evaluator. And my boss at the time, Lori Crooks, who is Lori Starr now, used to say, you'll get to a point in this job where you can step two feet into the store and within three minutes have a pretty good idea how they're going to score just by the energy level in the store. And I thought to myself, man, yep. you're crazy. But I got to learn that really quickly. And I tell people that now I say, man, you can step in the store and know immediately is the leader good? Is the leader bad? Is the store going to score? Well, is the store going to score poorly? When we talk about fuel your ride with positive energy, I think it's so, so important. And I really liked that piece of the book. I got to admit, I love that one as well. As, as a person who has been leading teams for, oh my gosh, the last 20 years, I got to admit, number five, don't waste your energy on those who don't get on your bus. I can't tell you the number of times I'm like, I can help you. I can fix you. I can fix you. I can't fix you. And it's months later or years later, sometimes uh, that one and that whole chapter on the conversations that our, our hero George goes through with his team is just huge. I, I like that one a lot. So, you know, I, I think you're right. You can't waste your time on folks that don't want to get on the bus. If people don't want to be helped, they can't be helped. So along those lines, if, if that was the light bulb one of these, which one for you personally is the most difficult rule? Do you have one that, that like you've really got to put energy to, to, to make it happen? I think the one that would be most difficult for me, if I were a younger leader, if I think about a younger version of Sam, when I first took over a store, when I was 18 or 19 years old, I think the whole notion of the book would be difficult to actually sit down and decide where is my bus going and then to have the courage to go to my team members and present them with a ticket and an invitation to get on the bus. I think that would feel a little bit corny to me if I were a younger leader. But now that I've got a, a, a few years in my rearview mirror, I think to myself something that, that one of my clients said to me real recently, and that is, you know, do you want to be buttoned up? Do you want to be completely professional or do you want to be effective? And I want to be effective. And one of the things I'll say in my workshops all the time is I don't care if you're laughing at me or laughing with me. As long as you're laughing, I know you're listening. And I think if you went to hand people tickets in your store, you would get some eye rolls and you would get some, oh, this is stupid. But I think really quickly, you wouldn't even have to wait for them to decide if they were going to accept the invitation or not. It would be almost instantaneous that you'd know who was on your bus and who wasn't. So I would say that for me, back to your original question, handing out the tickets would be challenging for me if I were a younger leader. But I think, you know, as the old saying goes, if you want to continue to get what you've always got, continue to do what you've always done. And maybe you should take a leap of faith, read through the book, take some good notes and maybe try it. The worst thing I think that could happen to you is that maybe some of your team members laugh at you, but then they're having fun. You know, I mean, I couldn't agree more. So, so, so I would say just, just go for it. Let me, let me change topics a little bit here. 
years ago, there was a list of managers rules. I think Mr. Monahan had it in a book probably 20 years ago, where it was like, you need these things to be a successful GM. I'm sure, Sam, right now you're actually pulling that list out of somewhere. That's fine. I'm not going to request that you have that list. However, I guarantee you remember what number 10 was on the list. Have fun. And it's amazing to me when I got to number 10 on this one, that his number 10 was have fun. It's crazy how great minds start to think alike. It's amazing how it works, isn't it? Yeah, it is amazing how successful people who write books and people that want to be successful read the books. And then for some reason, they're not putting it to use. I would say read the book, look at the 10 rules and go for it. I I agree on just going for it. I think it's time for us to uh, review this book and determine where we would put it on the nightstand on the bookshelf, donate it to the library, or use it to balance a desk. Nice. I like that. So for me, this one, Drew, is kind of in between on the nightstand and on my shelf. And my only hesitation with it on the nightstand is it's it's the first book. And uh, I don't I don't know that I want my nightstand collecting all kinds of books, but I guess if I have to choose when I'm going to put this one on the nightstand for some of the reasons that you said, I love the fable to tell the story and to get the points across. I like the 10 rules. And at the end, something that I really liked was there was an action plan for, for the reader to put the 10 rules into action and get some return. I think a lot of times you hear people read books and maybe they took notes or maybe they took a passage out of it, but this one actually gives you an action plan and there's, there's a supporting website that you can print out tickets. And this one's just the real deal and the full thing for me. So I think talking myself into this, I'm firmly on the nightstand with the energy bus. I'm going to be slightly more negative than you. I'm going to put it on the bookshelf. However, I'm going to do the same thing. I was kind of midway. Uh, It's going bookshelf for me. However, the 10 rules, I'm putting a job aid up on my desk that I can see all the time. Um, I mean, on the nightstand, you're kind of reading it over and over. This doesn't feel like that kind of book to me that I need to keep revisiting. I can put the 10 rules up where I see them every day and I can get the same out of it. Yeah, I like that. And and again, to the supporting website, I think you can go to the website and just print the 10 rules out, which is kind of cool. Um, so you got that. And, and I like how you did that. Uh, you put it in on the bookshelf because you're not going to go back and read it over and over again. I, and I'm with you. Uh, but since, since my nightstand is empty, I'm going to keep it there for now. That's cool. My nightstand right now is actually not empty, but we'll yeah. get to that in a later date. All right. Today's guest for our interview section on Drew and Sam talk training is Domino's franchisee, Kevin Shaw. Kevin, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. How about you guys? We are great as well. And you stole my fantastic. So I had to go up with a different word. So for Kevin, those of you, those of our listeners on the West Coast or outside of the U.S. that have no idea who you are, can you give us a quick little resume on on what it is that you do? With wait a Domino's? minute, wait a minute. You're saying there's somebody that doesn't know Kevin Shaw? I mean, I was going mean, to say that. I was going to say that, but then I was like, there, all right, well. 
that's why I had to go out of country because maybe there's one person yeah. on the planet that yeah. doesn't, but that's uh, going to be the extent good. of it. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my history is, is very similar to, to many of the great franchisees out there. Um, I started looking for a part-time job while I was attending college in 1986 in Roanoke, Virginia. I was going to community college and a friend of mine recommended Domino's and delivering pizza because it was great money. I said I would never wear that uniform and deliver pizzas. I then applied and was hired literally on the spot. And I think I started that night. The rest is kind of history. Fast forward 34 years. I'm a uh, 17-store franchisee in Virginia. I've been going strong for, for 20 years as franchisee. So, Kevin, um, with Domino's, have they ever given you an award or anything? I have uh, five gold frannies that sit on a ledge in my office, and I'm uh, forever grateful and honored to even be included in a lot of the folks that have also received that award. So I have five of those babies and I'm going for six. I think, I think what, what, at least what I believe my, my big claim to fame as a franchisee was or is, is in 2002, I bought my first three stores. Uh, No one would purchase them. They were in such bad shape and a quick insight my the the one store my, that's now my big store uh what we did in sales we now do in an hour at that store wow that's amazing going from what you did in a week to now doing that same amount in an hour takes more than just you so can we talk about your team because it's probably more than just your 17 gms so what else does your franchise look like we have a a, a very unique approach that we've actually recently uh, kind of restructured our company. First and foremost, my wife, Allison, is a vice president of the company. And then underneath of that, we have three folks that kind of lead the charge uh, with day-to-day operations. That's Keith Mungo, director of operations support, Amanda Thompson, director of operations, and my daughter, Lindsay Shaw, who is director of training. And then we have three supervisors over their particular regions. Nice. So it is a whole team effort. It's not everybody just reporting to you. You get everybody on your bus. Correct. Absolutely. So speaking of the bus, uh, Sam and I did a book review, The Energy Bus by John Gordon, and it talks about finding that positive energy. Uh, As a franchisee, I I found that you have some positive energy, Kevin. Um, Can you tell us how positive energy ties into how you do business? Yeah, I mean, to me, everything starts there. You know, you 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 got to wake up, and and you got to find the positive in everything. And and we really try to do that. We try to drive from that place. I, I think that's that's where the foundation of any success starts is with a positive attitude and positive energy. For your franchise, you have a, a company culture, a vision kind of thing. Is positive energy part of that? It is absolutely. It is a foundation of of our core values that we practice daily. Nice, Kevin. When I know. You, in the, let me jump in there ahead. for just a second, if I could, Drew. Kevin, when you say you practice those every day, you know somebody from the outside looking at Kevin Shaw, and he's got all these stores, and he always seems happy. I mean, do you wake up every single day with no problems and and this positive energy just comes naturally? Or is it something that you've got to consciously think about and make sure that you're leading your team by the example that you want them to be yeah. putting in front of their customers? 
Yeah, great point. No, we have lots of problems. We have lots of things we work on. We have lots of challenges and obstacles. And I think what helps you get past those challenges and obstacles is going at them with a positive attitude and with positive energy and honestly kind of passion ties in very closely there. And so every day I, I try to find the positive that, that we are uh, performing in and use that energy to maybe turn some of those challenges and obstacles into a positive or at least knock them out of the way. That's great. It sounds like you spend a lot of time feeding that positive dog, as John Gordon would say in the book. Yeah, (laughs) but we've all got to do. And I can tell you from being in your stores, being around your team, that that's exactly how your franchise works. And that positive energy feeds into your stores. So along those lines, I'd like Mm -hmm. to talk about your average delivery time. I know when I was there uh, working with you, we had talked about some goals you had. Can you tell me how you approach improving service to your customers? Yeah, well, I mean, I think for us, a a light bulb went off somewhere um, when we really started seeing our understanding more about the ROI on ADT. For years, we always did our best. We always made it a focus. I don't know that we made it a priority. It wasn't one of our number one priorities. I think with some data that we had received from the brand, in addition with some of the interactions with yourself and our our business consultant, we really uh, saw some opportunities there, some business opportunities, not just opportunities and, and a result that we needed to focus in on and drive. And so we you know, we spent a lot of time building a plan, a game plan, a blueprint around how we were going to do this, implement it and achieve the result. Nice. I want to actually go back to that blueprint for a minute because you and I have talked about that blueprint before. Yes. And although it runs in order, kind of, you told me that there was something at the end of the blueprint that needed to actually be the first thing. And what was that? Do you remember? Yeah, it's what goes back to positive energy, positive attitude. And it, it, and that starts with the GM of the store. We have a great group of people here, but we had a couple of, of stores that were really struggling with their, uh, their performance, particularly on ADT. Once we kind of launched the plan and, and started to see some progress, I kind of checked in with those folks and I said, you know, hey, I'm really proud of you. You know, you, you, you've made these changes. Both of these particular individuals that I'm talking about, they said, it was a decision that they made in their mind that they were going to, that they could do it and they were going to do it. And, you know, we, we laid the blueprint out, but, but the point of it is that uh, as soon as they made the, um, you know, the conscious effort to focus on positive energy and positive attitude is when we really saw the change. Nice. So this whole blueprint, do all of these things, follow this step, follow that step, comes down to once the manager believes they can do it, it happens. Correct. Absolutely. That's just crazy talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the, you, 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 can have a, you can have a business and, a, and an approach and ROIs laid out. And you, you can do all these things, but essentially at each level of your company, the, the leader of that group has to have the buy-in, has to have the positive attitude, the positive energy to achieve the result. And once that one individual did those things in this scenario, everyone else fell in line. So it's not like they were walking and, 
in 12 feet of snow or something. I mean, they, it was literally a decision that they had to make. And once they made it, all of the folks for the most part on their team fell in line and started achieving the results. Can you tell me some of the gains that you've seen? Like how, how, how has, has your results increased? If we specifically look at, uh, for example, last week, you know, traditionally in our brand this time of year, you know, we see higher sales, the challenges with higher sales typically would be potentially a slower uh, delivery times. So if we go back and look at a three-year period on our company, we last week, we literally had a five-minute difference in average delivery time from 2018 to 2020. And frankly, we have just begun to scratch the surface on this blueprint. Amazing results. So when you say a five-minute difference, Kevin, you're saying that this year... <laughs> Folks, your customers are getting pizzas five minutes sooner than they did last year. And I would imagine that your sales are outpacing last year as well. Correct. That's fantastic. Nice. Absolutely. And it's just amazing because seeing what you're doing here, this is underselling. You're, You're not telling everybody they've got to do something. You're, you're asking them basically to get on your bus, right? I am. You know, the interesting thing is, again, kind of going back to some of the underperforming stores that we had, they've all jumped on the bus Uh, and, you know, we're headed in in the right direction for sure. You know, one of the the points uh, I wanted to add to what you said, Sam, a lot of times um, folks out there, I was one of them, frankly, they would say, well, these are this is great, Shaw. You know, you're you're five minutes faster than last year. Your sales are high. Uh, That's fantastic. What are you what are you spending to get there? Uh, how much labor are you burning, right? To do this, right. yeah. Your your labor, you're spending more in labor. You're buying it. The answer to that question actually is no. A graph was presented to me showing um, sales per labor hour versus ADT, and it was actually very interesting. Without seeing the graph and giving the exact numbers, essentially what it said was you actually were less efficient. Um, This was data across the United States. You were actually less efficient when you were over 25. uh, As you got under the 25-minute mark and got into 24, 23, 22, your labor efficiencies actually got better. And we're starting to see those same things. So, you know, for people that are listening out there, just keep in mind that uh, the results are not necessarily at a cost. You have to do it in a smart and uh, business-like way. But typically what we're seeing is those, we actually gain a lot of efficiencies by focusing on the seconds that we have in the store to get those pies out faster. So Kevin, as you gain those efficiencies, let's talk about something that's maybe not as quantifiable. As you visit your stores, which I'm sure you do often, are you seeing a completely different vibe inside the store from the team members? Absolutely. People, uh, you know, attacking uh, the make line, attacking the orders. These are things we used to say back in the in the late 80s when I started. You know, you, you attack the phones, you attack the make line, and we're starting to see those things again. Uh, it's very exciting. It's also really interesting. We, we have like a, uh, a, a company group chat, if you will, and it's uh, it's got like all of our management. It's got every everybody in the stores on it, let's say. And they are so 
excited and competitive every night on that thing. It, it is just fantastic to watch because, you know, they're bantering back and forth. I'm coming for you. We're going to, and, and it's just a lot of fun and they're, they're having fun while they do it. So this was not just a ROI directive from the franchisee that's being executed. It is a full buy-in uh, from everyone and they're, they're having fun doing it. And that's, that's so important when you're doing anything that you can have some fun while you do it. And would you say that this fun that's being created inside the stores, do you think that will somehow equate to better retention for new river Valley pizza? Absolutely. Kevin, besides ADT, I know that you are on that, that innovator curve when it comes to taking on new things you enjoy, whether it's, it's, taking a new piece of equipment or trying something new like like cutting edge without getting into what cutting edge is yeah can you tell us how how you get your team ready well I, I think uh, but this is this is something uh, I've learned over the years and a lot of this from you guys Sam I remember a class many years ago you know we we start with the why <laughs> you know what what uh, what's in it for them uh, we we start with these things, because when, when you have full integration into whatever you're doing, whether it's equipment or a concept or a technology, that's where you, you start to get leverage. In the example of the cutting edge, you know, we, we see the benefits from a business standpoint, but then we have to equate that into uh, how is this, why is this important for our management team members and how does this make them more successful? We all know from time to time that, you know, change is, is very hard for people. Um, it, it's really hard. And most people say, you know, and, and, and cutting edge, frankly, is, is one of those things that is very intimidating because it, 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 it affects part of our business that we have done a certain way since the beginning. And to radically change that is very uh, difficult for people. So establishing that why and the what's in it for them kind of concept is is a lot of, of where we start. How is it similar, your approach to deploying either cutting edge or something like ADT? The, the approach, really, it doesn't matter whether it's a process we're implementing, a concept, a piece of equipment, a radical change in our business. We always start with coming at it with a, with a positive attitude and positive, positive energy. And then we, we tie into that, you know, the whys and and what's in it for them and and we we do that in as many cases as we can. People want to feel like they're part of something, not that they're being told what to constantly do. I love that I approach, that, Kevin. Uh, I don't know if that going... was what you wanted. <laughs> that is actually totally what I was looking for. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> So, Kevin, I love that approach of going at it with a positive attitude and finding what's in it for the team members to make these radical changes. In the world that we live in of social media and, you know, the general manager's best practices page, you always see the folks out there oh, that, yeah. that very easily find the challenges to the changes. How do you in your team approach those folks and how do you get them to stay on the bus? Because I would say yep. that, you know, in my nearly three and a half decades with, with the brand, anytime that we've rolled something out, nothing rolled out without a roadblock or two. 
And yeah. they were typically really good ideas. I have this belief that everything starts at the top and it starts with me. I have to, every time they see me, every time they interact with me, they see only the positives that are in whatever that concept is. We help them knock down or remove the roadblocks that they are seeing or imagining in some cases, but sometimes they actually are roadblocks there, right? Uh, things that happen that aren't fun or don't make it as easy as we hoped. And part of what we have to do as a, as a support team, you know, at the beginning of this, uh, Drew asked what our company structure looked like. Part of a, our job as a, as a support team is help them understand and knock down and remove those obstacles. And that creates positive momentum that just continues and continues and continues. So we, we don't see a lot of naysayers in our company because we are positive. We, we do get it, and, and we just work individually with those people to understand why they might be feeling the way they are or acting the way they are or not joining in to the reindeer games like they should, and, and then we remove the obstacle. So I think what I hear you saying is that – that you welcome people's opposing positions and you want to understand why they have them and help them get to the other side with a what's in it for them instead of a boss like you're going to do it because I signed the front of the paycheck. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, occasionally we run into um, a GPS technology is probably a good one for me that, you know, it, it, it has become something that in our, and we have the highest, as far as I know, we have the highest GPS usage uh, that I've seen anyone have. I'm sure somebody's beating us, but it's not 100%. Uh, it's above 90, well over 90. We just said it's a standard. It's, it's like wearing a belt, a name tag, using a hot bag and a car sign. This is, this is how our business is going to run and you're expected to use it. And if you can't use it, tell us why you can't use it and we will provide the tool, uh, phone or necessary assistance to, to make it work. And, you know, and, and so sometimes it does come down to maybe drawing a line in the sand or making a standard. But generally speaking, um, that is not the approach here. Do you find that that changing these bigger things like cutting edge or GPS or DSS are much easier because you have drawn lines in the sand for what I call our time suckers when it comes to a manager, things like image and punctuality. There's just, there's no gray well, area for you guys. Yeah. I mean, you have to set high standards. Uh, we, we fail at those like anyone else. We're not perfect. We have plenty we can work on. And, you know, we just, we get up every day and just, and just try to, to be a little bit better than we were the day before, you know, and that's oh, not, so close. I, I <laughs> I phrased that purposely that way. Sorry, I didn't want to feel like it was a it was a paid paid plug. But seriously, I mean, you, before you even I even saw you, Drew. You you know you saw that sticker was on the wall. Uh, yeah. and, you know, and, and it's been part. Of, in fact, three years prior, we, every year we kind of come up with a company mantra. And three years ago, it was be better than yesterday. And the and the concept was, you know. I think in companies, a lot of times we, you know, it, it's never ending, right? We say, oh, this year we got to have better sales. Oh, we got to have better costs. We've got to have, it's never, we're good, right? It, it, you're not running a business if you're always just accepting what it is. There's, And I think sometimes people tire of that. And so a, a different way to look at it, 
was we said, hey, we don't expect you to change everything upside down and be the best performing store, but could you just give us a little each time you go go to do it? And 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 those little little milestones add up to a lot over time. That's awesome. Sorry, I don't know if that was what you asked or not, but that's what I said. You know what? That's a great answer, Kevin. Thank we you. appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> Our time here is almost up. Is there anything else that you would like to add for how your team works or how training is a part of your team? Is there anything you feel that you need to add? If you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always gotten. That's one of my things. And so when we when we when we get up and we maybe we don't do well at something or we don't get the result we want, we don't just stop and say, oh, well, you know, we change our approach and we try a different way and we get up again and again and again and again until we get it right. And I think that's the that and positivity is the foundation of what we do here. Uh, we just we don't give up. And, and even if that means going back to the drawing board or admitting defeat, we are going to come at it and come at it and come at it until we get to where we want to be. I like it a lot. That's awesome. Kevin, I'll ask you one last question. Um, we're going through some crazy times here in 2020 with this yes. global pandemic. How's the team holding up? They're doing great. And, you know, again, I hate to, there's been a lot of tragedy, obviously deaths and, and, and very horrible things, businesses failing. But again, I try to look at as many positives as I can. And, and if you look particularly at our brand, which is what we're talking about here, the, the, how quick we transitioned and adapted to this is unbelievable. I don't see any other business model that I saw during the pandemic moving at the speed and precision that Domino's was. And, you know, it's been tough, but it could have been a lot tougher. And so we try to look at that positive outlook there again, like in this scenario, we, we, we all need to be very blessed that we're part of this brand that's so strong. Awesome. Thank you for your time today, Kevin. It was a blast talking to you. Uh, I can't wait to come back to Virginia and celebrate when you hit number one in the East zone for uh, ADT. All right. Well, buckle up because it's coming <laughs> next week. <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time today, my friend. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Have a great holiday and we will talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Great. So those are our first couple of segments. And now we're going to take a short break and get a word from our sponsors, Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Better Than Yesterday Consulting. I hate it when supervisors tell me that they really do like working 60 plus hours a week. Or, you know, my, my 50 hours a week is great, but my franchisee is telling me I'm not getting the job done. At Better Than Yesterday Consulting, we want to help supervisors find time and increase their own efficiency by using our Better Than Yesterday system, three types of visits around a process every time you're in a store to build a schedule, to build a team, to find your time, the Better Than Yesterday training system. For more information, visit trainwithbty.com or call Drew Helmholtz. At 734-845-8147. Sam, back to you. Hey, thanks for that, Drew. Again, that phone number for our listeners out there to get a hold of Drew at Better Than Yesterday Consulting is 
1-800-273-8447. So as we're going through the editing, a couple of things I wanted to share with our listeners, especially if you're a newer leader, maybe you've just gotten on the bus, you're just starting your journey. And that is, if you want to communicate with your team, you've got to know the language. And I think one of the things that happens in a Domino's pizza store a lot is acronyms are flying around all over the place. So a couple of acronyms you may have heard during the podcast. We talked about ROI, which is just a return on your investment. When Kevin and Drew were talking about ADT, maybe some of you weren't familiar with what ADT stands for. Drew, what does ADT stand for? Average delivery time. You heard us talk earlier about the importance of making your team members feel comfortable on those first days. The easiest way for them to feel comfortable is for you to explain the language to them so that they know. Imagine it's your first day on the job and your manager looks at you and says, hey, can you do some PRP? We want to make sure we get our ADT down. We need that done ASAP. Don't keep it on the QT. Go in the back and get it done. And you walk to the back and you're thinking to yourself, I have no idea what he just said. So make sure you're speaking the language, make your team members feel comfortable, make them feel special, make them feel part of the team, and that will help you with your retention. All right, jumping back into the podcast, we're going to talk about activities that we do inside of our workshops so that if you're kind enough to reach out to us and have us come see your team, this is, these are some of the things you could expect. Drew, why don't you tell us one of your activities that you think keeps your participants energized, motivated, and makes them just a little bit better than yesterday? Wow. Way to play that up, Sam. I appreciate that. I'm actually going to start with an icebreaker. I don't like using the phrase icebreaker. However, this activity I use at the start of class. I find that this activity uh, ties a lot of stuff together. So the activity is called siblings. And the idea is, is everyone was a child at some point. You are either the only child, the oldest child, the youngest child, or the middle child. Once the participants identify which group they're in, I split them up into each group, oldest, youngest, only, or middle. And then I ask them as a group, what's the best thing about being that sibling? And then what's the worst thing about being that sibling? I then allow them to share. Now, when I share, I allow the other three groups to mock and yell at them because that's what siblings do. When the oldest says, I get all new stuff, generally everyone else screams, we know we got all of it as hand-me-downs, which is great because they start to see that they have similar pros and similar cons, even though they are different. Now, Sam, I don't ever like to do an activity I can't tie back to the class. So these activities are always tied back to the class in the debrief. However, because some of our listeners may end up in this, I don't want to share that debrief right now because it's like the magician revealing the magic trick. So we're going to, that's the activity and that's what happens. But the magic part, I, I can't reveal at this time. I like what you did there, Drew. I would love to say I thought of it, but I'll totally uh, allow Lucas to be the owner of that thought. Our producer extraordinaire. <laughs> and I like what you've done with that icebreaker. And it, I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of the term icebreaker, uh, but I, I think it's important in a workshop, especially if there's people in the room that haven't had the opportunity to be in the room together. 
I think you've done one of the things that I really like to talk about when we do what we call train the trainer, and that's never use any of your valuable time in the workshop on something that's not going to easily be circled back to, to make the point of what you're trying to teach. In the spirit of pure transparency, I'm just going to let you know that I'll probably steal that idea. I have no problem with you stealing that idea. I'm going to throw one con for that activity. You need a bunch of people, usually more than eight. It seems that finding the only child in a group is kind of difficult sometimes. That's going to always be easy in my group. I take it you were an only? You are correct, sir. <laughs> well done. You and can always much, play the only. And pretty much every time I say that, people say, yeah, that adds up. So Yeah, it totally I, I, makes sense. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I'm going to stay in the same lane uh, along with the icebreaker. Um, I go a little different route. I actually do tell them it's an icebreaker. Um, I don't think there's a wrong way or a right way. Um, but I put up some questions up on the screen. I pair them up, usually ask them, ask my participants to pair up with somebody that ideally they've never met. And if it's a close knit group, at least somebody that they don't work with and certainly not somebody they rode with to the workshop. Give them five questions. They have to interview each other. And then they introduce their newest bestest buddy to the entire group. And much like you, I'm not going to share the details of it so that if any of our listeners happen to end up in one of my workshops, this won't be, a, oh, this is what they talked about on the podcast. And it'd be more of an interactive thing. But I found that it really works well. And all five questions that we ask are something that it's pretty easy to circle back to later on in the workshop. And I think that the fact that you're doing something that's easy to circle back to, and, and then I, I know that I do it consciously, is so important for a presenter, for a trainer, for a facilitator, because you've always got more content than you've got time. And you don't want to waste any of that precious time on something that's just silliness. It's got to resonate with the message of the workshop. So coming up in future episodes, we're going to take questions from our listeners and integrate those into its very own segment. So we'd love for you to reach out to us. And when we get those questions, we're going to go through them and we'll use some of them possibly on future episodes. And the way you can win a copy of this week's book, The Energy Bus by John Gordon, is whichever question that Drew and I think is the best. And when I say the best, I mean we'll relate to the Domino's Pizza business going on today, the challenges that we see most often. If we choose that and use it on a segment or think it's just the very best, you will get a book. And let me be perfectly clear, the choices are final and we're the judges. So there is no appeal process. This is what you get. There is no, this is what you get. So somebody will get a copy of the energy bus by John Gordon. And in future episodes, we'll always be giving away a copy of the book that we review. And the way you can enter is simply by sending us questions that you'd like us to talk about on upcoming segments. All right. Well, that wraps up episode one of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Sam from Fowser Consulting. And I'm Drew from Better Than Yesterday Consulting. We hope you'll tune in to episode two and any future episodes. What are we going to do on the next episode, Drew? Well, I think, Sam, we're going to do a book review again. Uh, this time it'll be Who Moved My Cheese? Because it seems that in the pizza business, there's a lot of cheese. 
And it's being moved. It is. Um, we'll also do activities again from uh, our training classes uh, that we'll share with you. Probably some general stupid banter back and forth like this first episode. And we should have another fabulous guest to straighten us out and put us on the right path. I like it. And I think in episode two, we're also going to field some questions from our listeners. So if you've got questions that you'd like Drew and Sam to talk training about, feel free to email those to us. You can either email them directly to me at sam.fauser at gmail.com or to Drew at drew at better than yesterday consulting.com. I think Sam will probably be the easier one as mine is a really long email. <laughs> I think that's because you're a really tall guy. It's just it. The length of the email address has to be similar to the height of the person. Oh my God. Okay. Um, <laughs> And we are off the rail. You know what? I'm okay with that. All right. Thanks again for listening. Hope you uh, tell your friends about it. And we look forward to episode two. And again, if you've got anything you'd like Drew and Sam to talk training about, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear those questions. And that's a wrap on this episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew. And I'm Sam. Until next time, have a fantastic day. And don't be afraid to go out and sell more pizza. And have more fun. We'll see you next episode.